Hey everyone, how's it going? And welcome back to Citywide Blackout, your home for the best creators from around the world. I'm your host, Max Bowen. And if you're a comics fan, you'll want to listen to this episode. Now, odds are you're a user of Comixology, and odds are you've seen the series Grammaton Punch come up somewhere in your various feeds, and it's for good reason. This is a brilliant series, and probably the best part is you get to punch ghosts in the fucking face. That's about it, actually. I think probably should just stop right there. But joining me now to talk about the many other aspects about this series is writer Miles Gunter. Miles, welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me on. Right. It's also it's kind of a relief to know that uh, I can drop the up drop up bombs too. So right, yeah. Just, I mean, I wasn't sure. So you know, I mean, just right off the bat, you're kind of just setting the tone there. Exactly. So. Full freedom, man. Say whatever you fucking want. But all right. The first thing I want to talk about though is the series. Now, um, I read that this uh, that the story here was kind of inspired by your love of video games and horror. So right off the bat, we are going to get along famously. But okay. how do these elements get kind of woven into the story? Well, uh, I mean, I suppose the story was largely inspired by Brian's art. Um, I mean, it was pretty much catered to him. I mean, I I had a, a rough idea of the concept, and um, I'd found Brian's art uh, on Twitter, and I just felt like, you know, out of my stable of ideas, this was the one that I thought was best suited to his aesthetics. You know, he he was clearly like a hardcore video game fan and really into like Nintendo and uh, anime and manga. And I saw that we had a lot, even though like we have a big age difference, there was a lot of common ground um, uh, as far as just the things that we like. So it was really, uh, I mean, a lot of the ideas were just really informed by um, just the vibe that I got off of him. Like it wasn't really a situation where I had like a, a story fully formed. You know, I just, I had a kernel for a story but uh, just interacting with him, it just kind of took shape, you know, um, through, you know, communicating with him and just, you know, just his vibes, you know. So uh, that's really the beauty of comics is just collaborating. And uh, for me, my job as a writer is to really create material that plays to the strength of the artist that they're really going to throw themselves into and be, you know, be, be in, you know, they're, they're going to be passionate about. It's really going to connect to what, you know, their interests are and what, you know, what they're really into. Because I've just from experience, I find that having done that in several projects in the past, uh, I really get like the best. It, it elicits the best performance out of the artist. Definitely. Oh, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. You got to have that passion. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. But what was Brianne's reaction? when We told him the concept you, you had here. Oh, I mean, he thought it was really cool. He was very, he was really into it. He was really game. Um, he had a lot of really um, good ideas and we spent a lot of time. Uh, we probably spent about half a year just designing characters um, and just developing a lot of the various uh, ghosts and the feeders like Iface and um, just all the characters, you know, and just really getting into the minutia because even though I'm not, even though I don't draw, really individual design so um I mean, i'm definitely like a, a major like uh, character design nerd and we really wanted to just um have everything look like a toy you know so we really were just trying to we try to just be very mindful and just have really strong contrasts between visual contrasts between the characters but i mean brian's just brian's a great he's a great collaborator he's got great instincts and uh 
you know, he's at the, he's at the beginning of what's going to be a really awesome career. No doubt. No doubt. Because the art just absolutely jumped off the page when I, uh, when I began reading this comic and you talk about the character design. I definitely saw that too. You have a wide range of designs for the characters and of course the ghost world itself seems to be, have a certain hierarchy there. Could you talk a little right. more about how that whole system works? Well, I mean, there's um, there's different classes of spirits uh, in the story world. I mean, most uh, mostly what they're dealing with are what are called the feeder class, which are basically um, these are ghosts that feed off of um, the energies of living beings as just kind of like a fuel or like a food source. And these are also um, these feeders are basically they're they're trapped on the physical plane. There's something about, you know, like in a lot of ghost stories, you have this idea that, you know, the ghost is restless. There's something about, you know, they need, the ghost needs to be at peace. You know, they need to, something needs to happen for them to basically cross over to the other side. So I was kind of riffing off of that idea, but in a more, um, I guess just in a more of like an anime, like manga kind of way. So um, that's really how the feeders operate. And that, and that, that include and it basically just runs a really um, wide gamut visually. You know, there isn't really like a set design um, for feeders. But then you also have um, you also have a class called a geist, which is basically short for a poltergeist. And whereas a feeder can basically go anywhere, it can roam anywhere, and it can like you know go through phase through walls and this sort of thing. A geist uh, is bound to one specific location, but as a result of that, they're much more powerful. Uh, so the, because they're almost just kind of like this, like an engine, you know, like a battery, you know, of just uh, paranormal juice. <laughs> and uh, there'll be a geist. Um, we kind of, uh, well, we'll get into the geist more. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil too much, but there we will be getting into a geist later in the series. And, and we'll see like how that really contrasts um, to the feeders. What about when it, uh, when it came to just like getting the images for the ghosts? Because they go like all like all over the place. Uh, you mentioned um, Eye Lady; she's more or less the first one we see, right. and uh, Van's introduction into the role of punching things in the face. Right. Um, but when it came to do to, uh, uh, to working with Brienne on designs, did was there a lot of back and forth, or was it more like Brienne's like? There was a little bit. Uh, there was a yeah. There was definitely back and forth. There wasn't a lot, you know, because I tried to give him a pretty specific idea of of what I was seeing, and he would and he and Brienne would have his own ideas too. Like with Eyeface, you know, that was one of the first ones we did, and he, his initial design was he did like this big, almost kind of like Mad Ball like eyeball with like veins all over it and i was like no no dude you know like i did so i did like a, i actually drew a sketch and i was you know I, I tried to um i wanted to invoke something more like uh, the ring you know or the grudge you know like this very like j horror like a very simple almost kind of like alex toth design of just like this long black hair and there's the, and the eye is like underneath that you know something that was just much like creepier um and a little more, you know, a little more low key. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of really cool back and forth and he would have his own ideas just about um, like costuming. And I mean, there was stuff that we, there was stuff that we came up with that um, we didn't end up using. Like I have, there was one design that was so cool, but it was like so severe that like, I almost like, it could be like its own thing. Like it'd be much more of like a serious, like horror thing. So I don't know, who knows, you know, if that'll ever uh, materialize. But 
yeah, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, he would, you know, he would tell me, uh, you know, I would just have something in the script like, oh, well, there's this character and he's got some lieutenants, you know, they're under him. And, and Brienne would say, well, like, okay, well, tell me about those guys. And so I would have to just like come up with, you know, like some of the characters that show up in issue, in issue three and issue four, where it gets a lot wilder and, and uh, you've got like a big, like giant, like head. And you've got like, there, there was a couple of things that uh, didn't make it in because I just felt like they were like, they just really weren't right for the project. Like it was just like a little too scary or a little too freaky and it just didn't fit like the tone of like what we were doing. So, and I mean, there were some things that like, you know, I would give him, uh, I would say, well, you know, like there's this, you know, Chris Cunningham, like I'm real, I'm a talking, you want to talk about nerdy. I'm like a total nerd for this uh, British music video director, Chris Cunningham. And he has this video that he did where he, uh, for this band, this British band called the horrors where he, he took this actress, Samantha Morton. And it looks like he put like, basically attached, like she's in kind of this like white, like sundress. And he put like, it almost looks like he, he grabbed, he put like a squid on her face. Like, so it's almost, and she's like, you know flailing around and it's like it's probably like a digital effect but it, the way he does it it looks real you know so it's almost like a like a like literally like a real squid and i was like i want to have a character like this and brianne totally took it in like a very like like much more of almost like a dragon ball z like like kind of a goofy like vibe and i was like okay that's cool you know so it wasn't it wasn't really a situation where it's like it's got to be my way you know like this is what you have to do like it was very it was very much it's a collaboration you know and it's just it's push pull and you know, it's, it's important for, um, both of our fingerprints to be on everything because it's much more, it's much more interesting that way. Any particular designs that really surprised you or like thought, Oh wow, I had no idea it could look like this. The character of pineapple Fang is like just so ridiculous. Like, and I think initially I'd come, I told him like, uh, okay, there's this guy. Cause like my idea was, okay, there's this guy, he's jogging. And somebody drops a pineapple out of a window of like a skyscraper and it lands on his head and kills him. So like from that point on, he's basically got like a pineapple for a head and he's like a ghost. And, and Brian's like, well, what if he's got a Dracula cape on? And I was like, okay, you know, great. Like, let's just, you know, because I had this, because I, I had this image of like fangs. So it's like, okay, let's give him a Dracula cape too. Why not? You know? So, I mean, that was, that was pretty like bizarre, but it was, but it was cool. You know, I like, um, I mean, he really, he really nailed it with like all the, you know, all the designs. And so that one is like, I think Zags, who's pretty much like the main uh, antagonist, like, I mean, he really like he did, he had initially done like some sketches of it and it was, it was cool. But then when he did it on the page, like in the first issue where like, there's a, there's a big splash of him where he, uh, he actually punches the main character van. And like, that's where the main character finds out that, the goat, the feeders can actually like, they can hit him back. You know, they, he can hit them, but they can hit him too. And he just really delivered on that image. And like he, especially in the fourth issue, there's a lot of like Zags imagery. And it's just like, it's probably like my favorite art in the whole book. Like, it's just so awesome. Like he just did such an awesome job. And like, um, I really want to do more with that character um, going forward. Like if the book, you know, does well enough and we're able to do more like a, he's a character that I really want to explore more as an antagonist and just, and, all, and just in, in a, in a more faceted way than just being a, a big bad too. You know, two thoughts occur. One dying from a pineapple landing on your head is embarrassing. 
Yeah. Secondly, Pineapple Fang, you talk about the anime references. That is definitely, that one screams to me like Dragon Ball Z character, Pineapple Fang. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's just, you know, like, I grew up with that kind of stuff, and I was actually never really, like, a Dragon Ball fan. Like, I was a little, I was more of, like, an older anime fan. Like, I was more of, like, a Robotech and, like, a Battle of the Planets, uh, Star Blazers guy. So, um, but I definitely like, you know, wild design like i love one punch man and you know and uh, uh i think pineapple fang was probably more influenced like designs like that were definitely influenced by uh doro hidoro and like which is just insane like i think that's probably like one of my favorite animes of, of the last couple of years because it's just it's so like zany and like the designs are just like so crazy you know so that was definitely i was definitely thinking about um some of the characters in that you know, where it's just, it's just really this design philosophy of just everything is permitted, you know, and that's really the way comics should be, you know, I mean, that's the beauty of comics is, you know, the only limits are your imagination and your effort, you know, it doesn't have to be real, you know, so, and and especially with a a book like Gravitan Punch, um, it's just much more of an opportunity to just go wild and just, you know, do really cool visual stuff. Because I, I don't know, for me as, as a reader, like I, I love stuff like that. So, you know, as a writer, I feel like, you know, that's it's really like my obligation to just like, okay, let's see what kind of crazy shit we can come up with. You know. That is a that is a wonderful appealing, like, slogan so. to go by. The crazy shit that we cannot come up with and let's see what happens. A big thumbs up for the anime references because I came into anime back, uh, back in the uh, 90s. So all the old okay. school stuff was like, was like my gateway. So like Robotech, I watched yeah. some of that. Macross. Uh, oh, yeah. Man. DBZ was, I think, probably the gateway for me. But I would just explore it all over the place. You know, it, it was like how I got in, but it's not it's not where I stayed. Yeah, well, I mean, the 90s were really, that was really, uh, you know, I mean, you had in the 80s, you had a little bit of anime, you know, and then you had, like, in the late 80s, there was a little bit, you started to have a few things coming out of VHS, but the 90s was really when it bloomed in America, and and that's when you really started having, you know, a lot of stuff was coming out on DVDs and VHS, and, and you really had that, you know, that anime generation coming up, you know, and it was much, it was much easier to get a hold of then. And now it's it's just like ridiculous, dude. I mean, oh, yeah. there's so much. Like I can't like like I you know, like I got a uh, you know subscription to Cr- I guess it's Crunchyroll, and it's just like yep. what is this? So it's like all these shows. And I'm like, what is this? You know, <laughs> just, it, but I honestly feel like in a lot of ways, anime has gotten more commercial. Like it's got like I feel like the older anime was a little more lurid and a little more like risque. Like if you look at like the stuff in like the eighties and, and the nineties, you know, it's definitely like, there's like more like R rated stuff. And like, I mean, you, you going all the way from, from like, like the Gogo 13 to like stuff like legend of the Overfiend. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but there's like, like really like insane, like hardcore, you know, like I definitely feel like there's, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe there is stuff like that now. I just don't know about it. But I definitely feel like there's more, like a lot of what I see is is more youth oriented. Like there's definitely like a big, which is fine. I mean that's cool, but it definitely I don't see as much like freaky stuff. You know, that's like you know, kind of unsafe. You know? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely I definitely agree with it because like for me, for example, uh, Ninja Scroll I think is a good example of that oh pushing God. the envelope. That was just like yeah. 
blood and guts, all kinds of stuff. Basically, every every like envelope to push, it pushed it. But now, yeah, maybe it's because there's more of that like that like mass market appeal. You know, they want to do the next yeah. like My Hero Academia. Although I would also yeah. say that Attack on Titan is not exactly for all all ages. Well, no, no. I would actually, as I was th- as I was saying that, I was thinking, yeah, Attack on Titan is definitely a, a big exception. Um, and which is a reminder, I really need to finish that show. I'm like, <laughs> yep, behind. But um, getting back to Ninja Scroll, I mean, this is literally like one of my like cinematic obsessions. Like mm-hmm. Kawajiri is like is a god. I mean, I've probably watched that. I probably watched. I, I don't know. Like it's kind of it's it's honestly embarrassing the amount of times I've probably seen that movie. Like it's like a lot. So, you know, on VHS on DVD, I actually just got the. Uh, I guess I got the Blu-ray or the 4K. I, I can't remember, but I got a new a new version of it in the last year, and it's just. I mean, it's just incredible. It it really kind of like. I weep that there has not been any new Kawajiri stuff since that Highlander anime that he did. Which was, I mean, it was all right, but I felt like he was, they really, he was very constrained, mm-hmm. you know, by like, you know, suits and like, you know, corporate people. Like he wasn't able to just like do what he wanted, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, Kawajiri, I love, I love Ninja Scroll, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of, that's definitely a big influence on, on Gravita. Nice. I like how you segued back to the series. I was kind of wondering how we we're going to get this ship, you know. Uh, right uh, back of course right because we could do this all right. like we do we could do a full anime episode and just talk about this for the oh next, man like, i'd be happy hours. to yeah <laughs> I, yeah i love i love talking anime yeah oh my god all right yeah yeah for sure all right but let's get back to the series um let's talk about van okay so he is the main character who realizes at a very young age he can punch ghosts in the mother fucking face and I almost right. feel like this is a bit like catharsis by proxy for those who have watched a lot of Japanese horror. And I've always wanted to strike back. Well, here's a chance, people. Read this series and strike back. Yeah, um, that's really funny. Yeah, I, I hadn't made that connection at all, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I love I love J-horror. But yeah, there is something to be said for just like, you know, being able to punch the spirit and the grudge, you know, like, because it's just, I mean, it's just, it's an impossible situation. There's like, there's no, there's no escape. There's no way, there's no proton pack. There's no like, there's no way to stop it. You know, it's like, you're, you're done. You know, it's like you go in the house, you're fucked. You know, it's exactly. going to follow you. You go anywhere, you can go to the White House, you can go like, you, go to the, you can go to the president's panic room and you're screwed, man. Exactly. I mean, it's going to get, you know. <laughs> and that's what I loved about the first panel where, where he does it when he, he like realizes I can grab them back. He just reaches out, grabs her and she has yeah, right. oh shit on her face before he knocks him to like next week. Yeah, yeah. But um, let's look into Van's character for a little bit because sure. he seems a very anti-hero, not because he's like, you know, Mr. Badass or whatever, but because he just doesn't want to be the good guy here. You know, he even says, hey, I was born on the eclipse. You might think it's cool, but it's not. Does he really get into the, the, the this role that he's kind of forced into? Well, I mean, I think he has mixed feelings about it. I mean, I think part of it is that he's in a, that he's adolescent, so he has this real he has a real push pull relationship with it. I mean, I think that for him, you know, he recognizes that there's just he's very vigilant, you know, out of just necessity. So it's almost like in his mind, he doesn't really have a choice because he just you know he wants to protect his family, and you know he 
one of the things that he does that he's done, you know, because he had, you know, Vance basically had to grow up really fast. You know, he didn't really have like a, a regular childhood at all. You know, he just immediately, once he realized what he could do, he was just kind of jumped into, you know, kind of being this, you know, reluctant hero and not really being, not really getting a chance to be a normal kid. So, you know, part of his philosophy is that he just, he keeps people at arm's length as a result because he sees, you know, making connections with people as a weakness that could potentially be exploited by, you know, the feeders, you know, but, but that's part of, you know, part of the book is about, uh, you know, thematically, you know, just to get a little heady, um, the book is about breaking patterns that no longer serve, serve us, you know, like, and life will often prevent us with an external opportunity to give us the thing we need on an internal level. Um, but that involves taking a risk. And, you know, one of the things that we see over the, the course of the series is, is that we have Van doing the uncomfortable thing and making a connection with somebody. And, um, you know, there's consequences to that, you know, but that's, you know, but that's, you know, that's how we grow, you know, and that's, that's just kind of, I wanted to kind of have that universal truth at the core of the story. So that is, it, it isn't just about, you know, punching ghosts, there's, there's something a little more nutritious underneath the surface, you know. Let's talk about Van's disconnection. It seems like, uh, like you mentioned, he's really just apart from pretty much everyone's life except for his mom. And uh, what do you feel that kind of brings to, brings to, uh, like, brings to the story in terms of, like, where we go? Well, it's about, you know, the story is, that's just sort of where he's, that's sort of the place he's starting from. So the story is really about him opening up more. You know, that's what these five issues are about is him kind of um, this kind of him kind of breaking out of that pattern and just moving into a different space as a person, you know. And so that that's sort of one of the things that's just going to going to kind of develop uh, over the course of the issues is we're, we're just going to kind of see how how Van grows uh, as a character. And that's that's one of the things that I that I'd like to do over the course. You know, I mean, I, with the the book is is only five issues, and I wanted to have a, you know, I wanted to basically be a full meal, but I also kind of want to leave the door open for more um, after that eventually. Is the theme of breaking patterns something you got to explore with like past titles? Not so much. I think it's just something that's more um, that's more of a process that I've gone through in my own life. So that's just something that I'm very aware of in myself. And so I think that uh, that's just so, you know, comics. I find that writing comics is is usually biographical in some way, usually in some kind of indirect way, you know, uh, not in really like a pointed way. But I know that that's just something that I've I guess that's just something that I've been aware of in myself as I get older. So it's just something that I, you know, and as I get older, I think I want to make work that's a little more nutritious and has, you know, has a little, has something more to say. So that just seemed like a good, you know, a good theme, you know, that it just, that's a theme that just kind of lined up with um, the situation that the character was in, given his abilities and the isolating nature of, uh, you know, having one foot in the normal world and another foot in this spirit world, you know? How do you think you balance that, you know, wanting to do something a little more nutritious, as you say, but also with like, you know, like the action and the ghost punching? 
Well, I think that, I mean, uh, at the risk of making your listeners eye roll, I would say that, you know, one of the biggest uh, influences for me on this, in this project is that um, this is the first project I've done since I started um, uh, doing a daily meditation practice, which I began during the pandemic. I've always been really interested in meditation and I have experimented with meditation in the past and I've been practicing yoga for about uh, 20 years. And um, I find that that's really very helpful for just um, going deeper with my own material and just having greater clarity and just having a clearer sense of intention and being able to just pull from uh, different things, you know, more adeptly, hopefully, you know, I mean, I guess it's up to the reader to decide that, but, but having the balance between uh, drama and comedy and horror and, you know, just, just, just having more, um, more colors, more, you know, making it more rounded and just, having, uh, you know, a meditation practice just enables me to just have greater clarity with, uh, you know, when I approach, you know, my creative process. So, I, so I would say that that's, that's really, that's really informed by that. So, yeah. I like that. I really do. Because I know that for a lot of us, of course, when you know COVID hit and everything was shutting down, there was nothing but stress. So, I'm really glad that you're able to sort of find something good out of all that turmoil. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's one of the reasons that I started practicing yoga when I did in my twenties was just managing stress and just feeling, you know, getting a greater sense of balance and ease. And that's just, you know, our bodies are, our bodies are temples, you know, I mean, we're made of, we're made of stars, you know, and, and, uh, it's important that we to take care of, of ourselves, you know, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone should do what I do, but everyone should, should try to find the thing that works for them, you know, that, that helps them to be uh, a better version of themselves, you know, what, and that could be whatever, you know, that could be, you know, uh, praying to a bowl of pasta, you know, in a colander or whatever. I mean, it's just whatever, you know, I mean, it's just, or you want to become a member of the church of bacon. I mean, it's, or whatever, you want to be a Catholic, you know, it just, it's up to you. It's, it's different for everyone. And that's, you know, and you know, yeah, if you want, if you're really into Jesus, that's fine too. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of power in those old currents, you know, and that, that's actually kind of one of the things I wanted to touch on in, in the book as well with um, the character of Rick Wallace, the witch is kind of bringing in this idea of, um, you know, with spirituality um, you know, a lot of times when, when you have like uh, witches and this kind of thing, there are these very like stereotypical ideas of, uh, of what that means. And I wanted to kind of bring it just from my own experience and my own life. Um, the people that I know myself included that are into those, into the esoteric, um, they tend to be more faceted than that. And they're not just, they don't necessarily, wear a lot of black clothing and have a bunch of like aggressive, like jewelry and tattoos and this kind of thing. I mean, that's fine. You know, if you want to be like, that's cool, that's cool. But, you know, you can also, you know, you can be somebody that, uh, you know, um, prays to Buddha and you can also pray to Jupiter, you know, or to Satan, you know, I mean, it's just, it's whatever works for you as long as you're not hurting anybody, you know, but, but, uh, yeah. Just whatever, you know, whatever floats your boat, whatever brings you peace and helps you to be a better human being. 
you know, I think people should should do. And on that note, I wish to announce the opening of the first formal Church of Bacon. We start uh, we start uh, meetings on Saturdays. Bring your bacon, and that's that, basically. Well, that, that, it's actually a real thing. I'm actually a member of the Church of Bacon, which is why I mentioned that. I'm sorry, oh, man. Sorry. I, oh, you beat me, I, you, you beat me I too. I don't want to get your hopes up there, you man. know, but you can probably do, like, you know, the Church of Hash Browns there or the go. Church of Pizza <laughs> or the then, Church of Waffles. I mean, there's, you know, the right. Church of the Paul, Paul Anderson Resident Evil poster behind you. I mean, whatever, man. I'm actually really like that. <laughs> So. Oh yeah, I, I I love this series because I like it for what it is. Like it's not sure. It, it's a of great action yeah. series. It's a wonderfully yeah. fun action series. Like if you like people kicking zombies in the head, this is a series for you. Um, yeah, it's I, yeah. I you know there's a lot of there's a lot of craft that goes into those movies. You know I know a lot of people have to turn up their their nose to to genre stuff, but that's, you know, yeah, there's a ton of great stuff in that. And there's a, there's a lot of great pacing and great action. And I, I'm actually a really big fan, not to get super off topic, but I'm actually, I actually prefer the fourth film afterlife. That's probably my favorite one um, that was shot in 3d. And I love that movie, man. Like I've watched it a bunch of times and it's just, I mean, it's totally simple, but it's great. Like it's just, it's got great action and, I love the music. I mean, it's just, it's really cool. Yeah. The, the fourth one, now that I think about it, yeah, that may be my favorite as well. Um, I actually really liked the first one because it was still, yeah. it was, I think it was trying more to be a horror series. And there's some really great scenes that just scared the crap of me the first time I watched it. And I think as the series goes on, it gets a little more like action heavy. Um, but yeah, the, the, really a fantastic series. I mean, would I, would I compare it to say Citizen Kane or, uh, to kill a mockingbird? No, I wouldn't. Sure, of course. They're totally yeah. different things. It's a fun series. It's damn enjoyable. And I don't care if people don't like it. I fucking love that series. Yeah, it, well, it's just to bring you know some some art you know is designed to make you think and to you know uh, some art is just designed to create joy you know and and just you know there's nothing wrong with joy you know I mean we need we need joy you know we need sure. happiness we need you know, we should, we should embrace the things that we love and, and people shouldn't, you know, apologize for that or feel, you know, uh, weird or whatever. It's just, you know, yeah, let people enjoy things. Exactly. <laughs> Do you think Graviton Punch is a series designed to make you think or to enjoy, or is it a mix of both? I would say it's a little bit of, I, I would say it's both. Hopefully. I don't know. I mean, it's definitely more, I think it leans more towards just enjoyment but hopefully there's a little, you know, there's a little substance, you know, uh, I mean, how much substance can you possibly have with a book with a guy who's got a pineapple for a head? I mean, you know, this is not, you know, uh, uh, Harold Pinter or Ibsen, you know, but it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely like got goofy elements, but that's just, that's, uh, that's my preference. You know, I like uh, all my comics that I've done there's always an element of that. There was, there's always an element of joy. There's all, there's always like a playful quality. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I that's just, that's a particular bag. So yeah. that's what I like. Okay. Uh, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because we talked earlier about, uh, you studying yoga for 20 years and I myself yeah. practice it. And I can definitely say oh. it's got amazing benefits, both mentally and physically. Van's mom, she's, she's this badass power lifter. You know, she's a you know Titan really. Does that kind of segue into your own background at all? Well, I 
I think with her, I just really thought it was cool. I hadn't really seen uh, an Asian powerlifter. I mean, this was before I'd seen that there was that show on Netflix. Uh, oh gosh, I'm totally. Uh, uh, where it was basically it was the competition. It was the Korean show with all the, it was the something one hundred. It was all the uh, oh uh, athletes and uh, Squid Games uh, or. No, no, no. It, was, it came after that, but it was this. It was basically like this competition show with all of these like super fit like Asian Korean people um, competing to get money, and and like it was, it was actually after the book was already done, and I was like, because I thought I was like, oh, this is really cool. I've never seen it like that. And then it's like this Netflix show comes out, and I know people are going to be like, oh, you're just ripping off that show, man. You know, like so, you know, whatever. But I just I thought it was cool visually. Honestly, it just really came down to something as simple as. I thought it was a cool visual. I like the idea of having a woman uh, who's a mother, a single mom who's like ripped and, you know, is just, is very masculine in some ways, you know? And that was just something I hadn't seen before. And I, and I liked, I just like the contrast of that to Van. Mm. I thought I, it was cool. Yeah. I also like the contrast between her and Rick because, you know, Rick, you know, once you uh, see the comic folks, he's a big dude. He is not a small person at all, but compared right. to Van's mom, he seems a little, uh, little, little short there, a little smaller. Right. Yeah. For sure. And I, I definitely like how she just not—I don't think cruelly, but just with her presence, her just sheer power, really makes him kind of feel like, okay, I, I, I screwed up. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she definitely um, goes through some things yeah. uh, as as the story progresses. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of don't want to um, spoil that too much, but yeah, there'll be. Uh, there'll be some some. She's gonna go through. She's gonna go through some things. <laughs> I'll just I'll just say that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now you mentioned not not want to spoil, and I don't want to, folks. Read the series and check out yourself. We are now three issues in. Fourth issues out uh, June sixth. Last one on July twelfth. But where are we gonna go for the last two issues? Can you give us some hints as to what li- what like lies in store for Van and Company? Well. Uh... The fourth issue, I will say, is my favorite of the series. It's got like probably the most action and the most peril and uh, the stakes. Basically, the fourth issue really raises the stakes for Van. Um, and it's probably um, the most difficult situation he's he's been in so far. I'll say that. And then um, the last issue will will resolve that. And so it's basically, um, it's a full meal. Like and the, the, fifth, the, the fifth issue is definitely, the, it's the last issue, but it also leaves the door open for more. So I wanted, I wanted to be able to um, leave a, you know, have a full meal. I'm curious as, as to why five issues. Is this like a standard thing uh, for working on with comiXology? Yeah, yeah. It was just, it was just a, you know, it's just a standard thing with them. With a lot of their, a lot of their books, uh they end up being around five issues. So how did you come to work with them? Well, I'm, uh, I'm really good friends with Chip Mosier who, um, uh, was running, uh, comicology originals for a while. And, uh, I've known him for a really long time. And, uh, I had wanted to do, um, I had talked to him about doing a book prior to Grammaton, but the artist ended up flaking out. And it just didn't work out. So um, I had put this together for him. And, uh, you know, we'd just been friends for a really long time. And he had 
he had been working at Comicology for a while and he just, you know, he'd basically uh, left the door open. He just said, Hey, you know, you want to do something, just get in touch. So I slowly, you know, put something together and uh, it just felt like it was a good, it was a good fit for what they were doing. And it, it wasn't really like um, any of the other stuff that they've done. And Chip ended up leaving uh, uh, in the middle um, of the series and he ended up uh, setting up this new company distillery that he's doing. And uh, so this guy, Bryce gold took over for chip um, who was, he was uh, chips number two and he's now running comicology and he's, he's been such an advocate for Graviton uh, and just a huge fan. And just like, he's probably more, he's probably like more enthusiastic about the book than like anybody that I've known, which is awesome. So he's like just a huge fan of the book and he's just, he's been, uh, he's really helped us to shepherd uh, through the last, uh, the last couple issues. So it's, yeah, it's just great. I've really, um, I've really loved working with Comicology. Being that the series was at five issues, did you have right. to kind of like revamp the story because now, okay, we only have like X amount of spaces to play with. Um, I mean, it was, well, I mean, from the get go, that was, I approached it uh, from the, with the idea that, that that's what it would be. So I, I basically tailored it to that format. Um, I mean, there was definitely other stuff I wanted to do. I mean, that's always the case, but, but I tried to be pretty pointed with it and I wanted to just, you know, I wanted to present a full meal and have, you know, I really like uh, when stories are elliptical and you have, things in the beginning pay off in the end and there's a relationship between, you know, the first issue and the fifth issue. So um, I'll just say that everything is deliberate in the book, you know, and there's not really anything that's like a throwaway. So um, because I just, I love uh, when stuff gets in stories, when stuff gets set up that just doesn't seem like to really mean anything. And then it pays off in like a cool way, like later, so I definitely tried to do some of that without getting uh, into spoiler territory. But yeah, I mean, there, there, it really wasn't like a matter of like catering or anything. It was just, you know, I didn't really have to like change it. It was pretty much engineered for five issues from the get go. Okay. You know, we talked a lot about working with Brienne, but I think we definitely got to give a couple of shout outs to colorist Lee, Lo uh, Lee Luffridge. Apologies yeah. if I'm getting the name wrong, Lee. I'm pretty sure it's Rich. Gotcha. I, okay. I, Sorry, I Lee. Apologies. Yeah. And of course, letterer Taylor Esposito. How'd you meet these two, and 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 what was the collaboration <clears throat> like with them? Well, Lee, um, I hooked up with Lee through Chip, and I've been a fan of Lee's work for like a really long time. Lee actually doesn't know this, but I met him when I was in college and he was living in uh, Savannah in Georgia. And my buddy, I had a buddy who uh, was a grad student and he was, uh, well, he was my roommate for a while and he took me over to Lee's studio uh, just to hang out one day. And uh, I mean, this was like a long time ago, man. And uh, I haven't even, I haven't talked to Lee about this. I keep meaning to, but I haven't, but uh yeah, I mean Lee is just like Lee is one of the he's one of the top guys. And when I found out, um, you know, because we didn't have a you know, when we when we first put the book, you know, when we first book first got approved, we didn't have a colorist. So, you know, and a colorist really like, you know, colors and letters they make or break a book, you know. And and uh, 
So having him is just, it's like literally getting to drive like a Ferrari, you know, like, I mean, it's just, I mean, these, these guys are so incredible, you know? Um, so it was, it was a thrill. And Brienne was like, he was like freaking out, you know? I mean, he was actually even more, he was like freaking out about it more than me. So he was like super excited and, and it was just really, I mean, it's some, you know, I, like I gave him some direction. I gave Lee some direction, but Lee's just got like, Lee has, Lee's like a samurai. I mean, he's just got like such good instincts and he just, he just knows, he knows what he's doing. And, uh, Taylor I'd worked with, uh, on a book for image that I did called dark Fang, a vampire comic. Um, and I loved the work that he did on that. And he was just, he did awesome sound effects and he did really cool, um, specific, uh, word balloons for different characters that look different from each other. And he was just really, he was really good at just giving me what I needed and was a total pro. And so, uh, you know, I reached out to him, uh, when the book was approved and, uh, was just really happy that we had a chance to work together again. And we're also working with Ed Dukesher, uh, who's doing, uh, who did the logo and he did the, does the book design and, uh, and Ed's, Ed's like, he's, he's another one of these guys like Lee, who's just like God tier, you know, and he's, and he's been making comics for a really long time and he's just awesome, you know, and, um, it's really humbling and, and thrilling and galvanizing and a lot of other good superlative things to have these guys, uh, on the team because it just, it just elevates everything, Mm. you know, it's just, yeah, it's just been really awesome, uh, having everybody together. Yeah, this definitely, from what you're saying, this really sounds like you're kind of like your dream team of comics. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate to <clears throat> to have worked with some really awesome uh, artists. And uh, I just think if you're going to make, you know, comics is a lot of work, you know, and if you're going to do it, it's just, you know, it's great that you can, when you can connect to people that are super passionate and super professional and that just have great creative vision and great instincts. Um, and every, you know, every element is so important, you know, in, in the process and it just, it just all comes together. And yeah, I'm just, I'm super happy with, uh, with how everything has, uh, has come together on this book. And, uh, yeah. And I know Brienne is too. How about the name Grammaton punch? This definitely sounds like it has a lot more behind it than just the word punch. Well, the, the name is an originally I was going to call the book Ghost Punch, and uh, that was actually somebody else, somebody else owns the rights to that name. Like so, you know. So, um, but I actually like Grammaton more because it's a little more evocative. Grammaton is actually an abbreviation of the word Tetragrammaton, which is um, basically the Hebrew name of God. It's just it's a it's a um, uh, it's a spiritual word with a lot of power. So I basically just hacked off part of that word. Um, and that's a little bit about what, you know, the book is about and, and where, how the, you know, how the, the title fits in, what the Grammaton punch actually is, you know, and, and which is something that will be revealed. Well, I mean, we, you know, uh, Rick talks about it in the second issue, but it's, it's kind of the, uh, the MacGuffin of, um, of the first series. Oh yeah, I 
I definitely, uh, I won't say anything because, folks, you want to read it. But, yeah, I definitely know what you're talking about. And I get the feeling, yeah, that he, he isn't just mentioning this just for, like, shits and giggles. This is going to come up later on in the show. Right, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, yeah, it's an, it's an important part of the mythology of these people who um, are born in an eclipse and have this ability to uh, detect spirits. Because Van is not the only person like this. I mean, there's been uh, there's been another person, and there are possibly other people out there as well that have abilities that are maybe different than Van's. But that's not something that uh, we really touch on in this book. But you know, in the future, it's something that could be explored more. Because you know, some of these people that have these abilities, they might not all be uh, you know as goody two shoes as Van. You know, they might be you know. They might be doing other things. Ooh. So, who knows? <laughs> Foreshadowing, everyone. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Um, all right. Uh, just a couple more questions for you, Miles. Um, sure. Yeah. We've touched on this here and there. I did want to ask do things like spirituality or certain religious elements, are they part of the story? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, but not in like a really like a rigid denominational way. You know, like I'm not trying to convert people to like, uh, you know, this isn't like a, uh, you know, uh, some kind of like coded manual to like recruit people into like a cult or something, you know? Um, but I mean, a lot, the book does draw on a lot of esoteric ideas and occult ideas. And that's just stuff that, that I'm interested in. And so this is an opportunity to kind of present how I see these things. And, and a lot of times I have kind of this, uh, pet peeve about how, uh, Things like the occult and the paranormal are, are portrayed a lot of times. Uh, I find that a lot in a lot of stuff, it's just very half-assed. And it's just like, well, somebody just kind of read something on Wikipedia and, you know, but, uh, and not that I'm like an expert by, by any measure, but I just feel like there's, there's such an ocean of information there and there's so much cool stuff that uh, hasn't really been represented in movies or TV or comics. So um, I really see this book as an opportunity to kind of uh, present my own sort of interpretation of, you know, of some of these kind of ideas, you know, and kind of mix them together, you know, and have, you know, because that's kind of, um, that's kind of my own approach to spirituality is, you know, mixing, uh, you know, Renaissance astrology and Hinduism and Tibetan Buddhism and, uh, you know, whatever, just whatever, um, whatever you like, you know, whatever, uh, whatever floats your boat, I guess. So, yeah, but yeah, there's, uh, you know, I don't know that there's, there's a bigger meaning with that, but it's part, I mean, these elements are just kind of, you know, um, the book is about the unseen world and these are elements of the unseen world, you know, the invisible world that are, that are, that is, uh, that's around us, hmm. you know, so it really only seemed natural to kind of draw on some of those ideas, um, for the book. Now, this idea obviously has been in your mind for a while. You mentioned that this was kind of you know, like, like you always were carrying around the kernel of the idea. How does it feel to finally have it out there? It's all flushed out. The story is there. You've got the amazing art team and people are, are reading it and loving it. It's great, man. You know, it's really gratifying because, you know, w with a lot of every writer, every artist, you know, they have kind of this, uh, you know, they have a lot of ideas. They have a lot of things that they want to do, you know, and, and 
you know, if they're lucky, they get to do a lot of them. And, and sometimes, you know, some things never get done. And so, yeah, so it's nice to be able to kind of check one of the boxes and have one of the things, you know, get done and just, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, more of the other ones will get done too, you know, and it, it's just, I mean, it's great. It's, it's a good, it's a great learning every time, you know, you execute something, you know, um, from idea to execution, you, it's a great learning experience and it's just, it's a further refining of the process and just, you know, yeah, hopefully, um, I'm getting better with each project. So. Excellent. All I'm right. Just, I'm very happy. That, I'm very happy that the book is, is being so well received. So it's yeah. very gratifying. Oh yeah, definitely. All right. Well, Miles, man, uh, this has been a lot of fun. I live, I've, I've been loving talking about, you know, anime totally. and horror movies. And of course, Grumtown Punch. If you're listening to this right now, we're, uh, we're about three issues in two more to go. You know how to read it. You go, uh, you go to Comicsology, sign yourself up for it. It's six bucks a month, and you get thousands of titles, including this great one. Also, want to mention that if you're an Amazon Prime member, um, you can read Grammaton Punch for free. So just log into your Prime account, and it's right there, there waiting you for you. There we go. Hi, this is singer Kate Eppers, and you're listening to Citywide Blackout. And that brings this episode to a close. Thanks to everyone for listening. And be sure to follow the show on Facebook at Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram at Citywide Max. You can reach me at citywidemax at yahoo.com to suggest a guest or submit music for the Blackout Collection playlist. You can find the show wherever you check out your favorite podcasts. And new episodes are aired every Saturday at 10 p.m. EST on Boston Free Radio. That's all for now. And I'll see you next time.